Before I get to our episode, I want to remind you that we're in the last week of registrations for the Digiday Video Awards. The Video Awards are about the best work in branded video, video marketing, and video advertising by brands, agencies, and tech companies. We have a bunch of great categories. Check them out and learn more at digiday.com slash events. Submit your entries by November 3rd. That's the end of this week. Don't miss it. This is Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Digiday producer Aditi Sango. This week, we're bringing you sessions from the Digiday Agency Summit we held in Charleston, South Carolina. We discussed what's hurting the agency world and how to build the next great modern agency. Our consultancy is a threat. Most likely, you'll hear two different answers. Creative and design agencies believe that the threat is real. Media shops say that they haven't run into consulting firms much in ad pitches. So we asked Glenn Hartman from Accenture to give us a look into what it's like to have design and creative agencies going into consultancies. Here's a session from the summit with Digiday reporter Yu Yu Chen. Hi, Glenn. Hi. I'm very excited to chat with you because there is lots of talking around the tension between consultancies and agencies. I know Accenture has been snapping up lots of creative and design agencies recently. What's the goal of those acquisitions? Well, I don't feel tense about it at all. So, um, hi everybody, I'm, I'm Glenn. I was just wondering before I answer the question, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, just by a show of hands, has anyone uh, heard of Accenture Interactive versus Accenture? That's good, uh, no. we're getting better at marketing. So, um, <laughs> uh, I think the reason why I ask is it's inherent in the question in that um, Accenture Interactive is very different um, when you think of even the way the question is asked, well, what's it like to have these agencies move into a consultancy? And Accenture Interactive is really um, something that's different. It, it's built on an idea of creating a culture of cultures that's pushing Accenture, the firm, the larger firm, into something new. And the way that we do that, largely through our acquisitions, is to introduce a new way of looking at an agency network, if you will, or acquisitions in general. Whereas every acquisition that comes in is meant to give us more credibility within the marketing space and the branding space, but also is integrated into one P&L. And it's also then scaled so each one of the capabilities can work in the way Accenture works around the globe, whereas the way we do search engine marketing in Beijing is the same way we do it in New Jersey. So there's a consistency that we can build on and scale. And I can just give you one example. Um, we got very serious into design-led uh, thinking in design firms. One of them was uh, the leader in the space called Fjord. And when they started with us, um, I think they had about nine studios globally. And now we have 24 over the last three years. So we're actually investing in expanding their culture and celebrating that culture and those capabilities rather than really celebrating what's unique about them within Accenture Interactive. Talking about culture, you know, as you are buying up agencies, can you actually acquire their culture? Well, it's this idea that if you can really invest in it, um, I don't know if you guys uh, have ever seen uh, an Accenture office, for instance, um, if any of you were to sign up and join Accenture tomorrow, you would go to their orientation and you, know, you get your laptop and you learn how to do your time reports and the travel policy and you sign off on sexual harassment training and all that stuff, right? 
And there's also on the first day, I think, there's a slide on this. Another thing you sign off on is the, the no jeans policy at Accenture. Can't wear them to a client, can't wear them in, internally. There's a certain code of something that exists there. And Accenture Interactive, I mean, we have people on wearing flip-flops and shorts and skateboarding around uh, the, the studios all day long. So this idea of the firm, uh, I get tracked talent where they can feel more comfortable is something they're very serious. Uh, and that's why I was mentioning the proliferation of our studio culture and these kinds of things. They're showing with tangible ways the, the celebration of those cultures. So can you keep and, and really do that? I think yes, but you have to put some real teeth behind it. And I can give you one other example. We acquired a digital agency called Acuity in North America a few years ago. And they um, were known for creative, digital marketing, and content and commerce uh, technology enablement. They were the number one Adobe partner, the number one Hybris partner, and they had a whole bunch of technology plays there. So, you know, they have about, say, 500 people on their team, and uh, what we ended up doing was we made the acquisition, we said we will only acquire them if you don't do what you normally do at Accenture, where you would take that agency and say, well, everyone who does technology goes to the technology group. Everyone who does consulting or digital strategy, good one and I mean everyone, like to the tune of 15,000 people across the firm globally, into them. So we adopted their methodology for commerce, because that's what we bought, or their methodology for content and creative, and we had the rest of the firm scale what they were doing. So it's these kinds of things that are radically different that shows a tangible way to the acquired companies that were very serious about keeping the unique IP and the unique culture that they have and making it bigger. I I remember that you mentioned agency model that is different from traditional advertising. Two questions. First, what do you mean by traditional advertising? And the second question is, what exactly is the new model you mentioned? Sure. Well, I mean, Accenture Interactive is very simple. Um, we say, and we have this boiled down to one sentence, as all good marketers do, um, that we're focused on helping our clients create and deliver the best experiences on the planet. Now, that's experiences for their end customer. A lot of people will use this word experience and it has a lot of different meanings, but for us we kind of call it the big E, which is the full customer journey. It's not just UX or wireframes or different kinds of service design for experience or even journey mapping. It's really every part of a brand that could touch a customer across marketing, sales, service, um, online, offline, uh, devices. It makes no difference, any touch point at all. So when you start to get into that kind of complexity, you realize the main reason we created this model was because our clients asked us to get into it. It was very simple. Everyone knows that marketing is inextricably linked to technology and analytics now. There's no new news there. And everyone's been writing for years about how CMOs are driving more technology spend within their business than the CIO. And we read all this stuff from Forrester and Gartner and AdAge and everyone else. But to be able to take advantage of that is a a call for a new type of service provider that has part creative and design, part um, technology powerhouse, and part management consulting. So we had a client that uh, is in the telco space, one of the larger telcos, and um, they asked us to do a very simple and benign thing. It was a brand manager that said, listen, can you help me optimize our paid search? And they do probably one of the biggest spenders on paid search there is, so it's significant to their business. So they were dealing with a commodity product. They were just trying to sell triple play, you know, cable and phone and computer all in one. There's no differentiation, really. So wh whoever can win on the search game and optimize, 
Of course, since I'm on stage, I'm going to tell you guys a great story instead of the ones we screwed up. This one worked really well, and we drove a lot of the traffic and optimized the search very well. But we wanted to be, as I said, it should touch every point that a brand could. So we, we would try to be cool. We added omnichannel stuff. So we had click to chat. We had the phone number on there. You could also sign up via email. You could um, even go into um, a retail establishment. We had a way to connect all these experiences. So everyone's coming in through paid search. So for the primary part, most of the traffic was actually coming in through the web and converting in the call center. They were using the click to chat and the phone number. So you figure, great, you know, who, who cares? This is wonderful. All the boats are rising, and this is working. Well, they cared a lot. Uh, actually, the, the person who was buying the media was really pissed because they are spending all the money on the media, but they're not getting the attribution for the conversion because it's happening in the call center. Meanwhile, the woman who runs the call center is sending me a fruit basket every two weeks because her, the people on the digital marketing side and the media side came up with a great idea. They said, we will take the phone number off and the click to chat off and we will force those people to convert in our channel. That were, therefore, we could get the credit. Now, of course, they're a big major company, brilliant people, rational thinking prevailed, they didn't do it. But then they came to us and they said, well, what do we do? I said, well, you need a new multi-attribution model for um, being able to get credit for the media in that channel. But you can't have anyone in the call center talk to that person for another two seconds or away because it's a commodity product. You're already fighting a price battle. So you've got to figure out a new business process to get that lead back into the email or other kind of digital channel for future advertising for cross-sell and upsell. So that's a new business process. You also have the multi-attribution thing. It wasn't just about attribution. We also had to come up with a new sales compensation plan because those people in the call center got commission on what they closed, and that was throwing off all of the ways that they got paid as well. So all of a sudden, we're talking to the COO. We're talking to the chief um, revenue and sales officer about all these things. So what you get is a benign marketing question. Can you please optimize my search? And in a moment's time, you're dealing with new operating model, new org structure, new incentive plans, new technology and analytics to be able to track all that. And this turns out to be a huge business transformation thing with change management and all that. There's no agency in the world that's going to touch that stuff. And that is the new way that we bring those kind of three components of management consulting, technology and analytics, and creative together. But to be fair, agencies are still, you know, like lots of agencies are talking about attribution, omnichannel, you know, marketing experiences, customer journey. Like, how exactly, you know, like is Accenture Interactive different from agencies? Because all of the things that you mentioned earlier, like agencies are doing something similar as well. I would say absolutely true that they're looking at multi-channel attribution, but to be able to come up with the business processes and the skill sets and the way analytics is handled, bringing analytics in-house and creating new dashboards and new outcomes uh, to be able to optimize those experiences is way outside of the, the sweet spot, if you will, for a traditional agency. Whereas there's just so much technology and so much complexity, especially if you're going to try and do that at a global scale. So we do know, and there's many agencies that might be able to do a campaign or a brand or maybe even a region. But if you want to take that and start to think about it and, and the client says, well, can you do it in 27 countries in 17 languages and by three different segments across all of our, our channels, there's very few companies that would be able to handle that at scale. How do the media contracts with clients, performance-based or retainer-based? So we really drive a lot of our work as performance-based in general. But when you talk about media, we really have a different take on it. So the way Accenture Interactive looks at media is one part 
of an overall service that would drive some kind of performance. Meaning, first off, we don't have our own inventory and we're not reselling inventory in that traditional sense. And we also are working through any kind of media buying uh, that we uh, may do is actually a true pass-through. There's no commission taken. So we're not actually trying to make any money on the media spend itself. It's only on the services to optimize the media and be able to drive conversion. So I do media planning on the buying? We do. So we have clients today that really, if you think about it, are starting to redefine the definition of this agency of record. And when you have them and they start to think of the performance first and the experience first, like that one in Telco where you actually made the company reverse engineer around an experience the customer wanted to do, these kinds of things open up new ways of looking at performance. And we are using media planning and media buying as a way to drive an outcome, not for the sake of buying media. Mm -hmm. I mean, like when I was at Advertising Week, uh earlier, and uh, I remember that Martin, Martin Soro said that agencies do not need to worry about, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, he said that um, agencies do not need to worry about consultancies. Agencies need to worry about consultancies only you know, like when consulting companies go to brand CEOs saying that, oh, you guys spend too much money on marketing, you should you know, cut your marketing spend. So what's your take on this? Um, I think that the way they're framing things up is very, very old school and different than what we're talking about. So I, I think, as I mentioned, our, our clients asked us to get into this business for a very specific reason. Everyone already knows that the, the, the marketing spend is important. It's not going away, and it's just the makeup of it may change, and there's going to be more complexity to be able to make that, that media spend or that marketing spend sing. So when we're looking at the, the model, and, and when Sir Martin says that he doesn't have to worry about consultancies, he's talking about something that doesn't exist. It's, it's not actually acknowledging the dis, distinct difference of what something like Accenture Interactive is within a consulting firm. So the relevance that we were able to give to that brand manager at that telco company to be able to drive real change in his business is so different than just optimizing a campaign or getting the most ROI out of a marketing spend, we allowed that person to walk over to the chief revenue officer and say, listen, I can sign up for your number. We have a client right now, uh, for instance, uh, if you think of the word of the consultancies, th think of the way they work, or traditionally, the way Martin is, is classifying them. It's time and materials, and it's this kind of land and expand um, thing that you, you do to get into clients. But, we're working now with a, an automotive manufacturer on a global scale. We have all their marketing and sales um, uh, channels that we're working to optimize for them. It's a big project. It's like, you know, three or four year contract. It's a couple thousand people, maybe up to 3,000 people on the project. It's a significant thing. We get paid on net new cars sold. No time and materials, no fixed bid, no um, SLAs about uptime and technology and all these other things that would it's, it's a new way of looking at performance, and that allowed that CMO to have a much bigger impact. He's already bringing these things up to the CEO or to all of the dealers and saying, I won't just get you leads. I won't just optimize a marketing campaign. I will get you the results that you care about, test drives, whatever it may be. And this is a whole new world. Martin is still talking about marketing ROI and brand advocacy and, and, and those kinds of things. We're talking about a whole new way to influence and impact business with the marketing spend. I want to leave some time for the audience to ask questions. 
Do we have any questions? Oh, we have now. <coughs> After this break, Glenn will answer questions from the audience, which means discussing price models and also a little bit of a trickier question. So what the hell are you doing here? But right now, a quick break to tell you about Digiday Plus. It's our subscription product where you'll get the Digiday magazine and a lot of valuable research about the industry. Plus, you will get to be a part of exclusive member events and our Digiday Plus Slack channels where we hold town halls with industry leaders and innovators every other week. We'll make sure you'll stay on the pulse of every development in the industry with us. Please sign up. It's at digidayplus.com. Hey. Hi. It's David. Long time no see. How you doing? So what the hell are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, our, our hypothesis, I'm curious to see if you agree. Um, I already agree. <laughs> oh, good. So we're done. <laughs> I love these questions. I'm, you know, one of the things we hear a lot of times uh, from the holding companies, if you will, um, that, you know, Accenture Interactive isn't going to make a Super Bowl commercial or... Um, you know, or large media uh, play like that anytime soon. And I guess maybe technically they're right. In the old school way, I would agree and say maybe we're not. But who really does it anymore? I mean, the second you have that brand and it's launched at the Super Bowl, that second you have to worry about how that renders on every single laptop and tablet and on every carrier and the fact that they're going to take that content the users are going to chop it up, make a documentary over here, a parody film over there. The brand is out of your control the second it happens. Now, if brands manage that and <clears throat> make it more effective, that <clears throat> is the new creative. That's the new world of what creative is. So when these old terms that everyone's using, well, they don't you know, understand broadcast, they don't understand creative, we are arguing that if you think of brand, and Accenture Interactive, we're talking about brand, not technology enablement, not in analytics, not the execution. We're talking about sitting with brands and figuring out ways to say, well, if brands are a set of promises and what you would expect working with that brand, what you would expect when you, you touched it or that product or what it might be, uh, you know, BMW is for performance where Volvo is for safety. If your brand is a set of promises, we believe that the way those promises are kept are through the experience. And in many ways, the experience itself is the brand. So anyone who can actually manage that experience and help brand managers understand in real time how to course correct and, and make different ways to optimize those experiences, that is the new creative, that is the new, you want to call it agency, you don't even like using that word. It's a new kind of provider that can actually help a company reverse engineer around a customer journey. I see. We have none, another question over there. Uh, hey there. Uh, so I really think that idea of helping to solve business challenges is a really compelling thing, but I'm hoping maybe you could talk a little bit about what that pricing structure looks like from your end, because as soon as you start saying, you know, here's a better way to measure the attribution, start meeting with those teams, architect solutions, that's a lot of time, brain power that goes into it. So what does that pricing model kind of look like when you make that inflection from execution to strategy? And what teams do those, or, or what teams usually help contribute to that sort of spend or investment from the client side when you're pitching that? Yeah, it's a big question. So it's a combination, of course. It all depends on what stage a company is in or a brand is in uh, to be able to have different things come together to make different outcomes happen. Some need more attachment to different types of data that they don't have necessarily, so that provides a whole much, uh, a whole longer setup to be able to make the enablement work, just as an example. 
But um, what we found is, I think where maybe your question is starting to come is how do you break down the silos to make some of these things happen? And what teams do you actually bring together to do that? And, and we found that uh, when you start to reverse engineer around some kind of customer journey, and you can get any kind of common goal. So right now, I mean, everyone and their grandmother's writing about how the CMO and the CIO are at odds, right? The CMO needs to move quickly and be agile and have innovation. The CIO has to have security and industrialization and standardization and there's all these kinds of complex things that can't come together. So what we've done is try to find a common goal for those two, as an example, maybe the sales and marketing, um, or maybe the analytics team and the media team. And we may require some, some initial moves to say, okay, let's decide from a strategic standpoint, we're gonna move media in-house, or we're gonna move your data in here so you can use that data to be able to enable the connection. But it only comes from this shared uh, goal for, to break down these silos. As soon as you have some kind of customer journey that everyone can see would help serve a common goal, Usually those silos will break down and they'll come together to work on it. So, I mean, we only have like a minute left, but I could give you specific examples of how some of this stuff came about. Let's just start with one real quick one, okay? And if you want, we can talk after about exactly how to do it for your organization. But the, the challenge is to start to think, I mean, really think. Everyone says customer centricity and experience, but I mean, really do it. So. We're talking usually when you deal with marketers that want to have this big transformation, they have to move from just defending their, their regular business, like my websites don't work or I need an app and those things, that has to happen. As soon as you start to move and get into the customer, you start to really look at personalization, right? It's usually the nirvana. But we're talking about personalization on a whole new level, way beyond that, so that way the experience can be moved in real time um, and to be able to help them get their, the customer's goals, not your goals. So follow my thinking through this. So we're working with one company that's a grocery store. So think about grocer. Since the beginning of time, they've had three major metrics that they've always used. You know, drive more traffic or visits to the store. This could be online or offline, doesn't matter. Once they're in the store, keep them on the end caps and get them to buy the promotions because the grocer's trying to push the CPG inventory that is going to benefit their supplier. And the last thing is always increase the cart. Again, offline or online. So what's your name? Ted? Ben. Ben. Oh, that's cool, because this will be a TED talk then. So, so, uh, so Ben, so let's just say this, this grocer's doing everything right. I mean, everything like really right. And they broke down the silos and they figured out a way to do real personalization. So they know when you come in every Saturday to shop for your family, they know you're in there because they have location data, they have beacon technology, so they understand. They can see your app that's their app that's linked to their rewards and loyalty system. They see your list when you walk in. So they can all of a sudden start serving you up coupons to make sure you buy that stuff on the list and make suggestions to get you stuff. And they know you came to a do-it-yourself cooking class, so they're going to see some of your list items, maybe look at them as ingredients, and they'll suggest and upsell you a couple new recipe, and here's a video for it right here, and we'll show you, you know, how to make that happen. So they're cross-selling, upselling, they're increasing the cart, all the metrics that are important to grocers. But then one day, Ben shows up, and instead of on Saturday, he's there on a Tuesday at 11.30. So all of a sudden, we know you really well, but your needs are wildly different. Maybe his, uh, Ben's kid is sick. The prescription, get the VIX, and get out of there. Can I need to do it very yeah. fast? Because oh, we go. So in that moment, <laughs> instead of serving you coupons or getting you these other kinds of things we talked about, 
they, all of a sudden your amp map turns into a heat map and they show you every single item on that, where it is on the shelf so you can get in and out of there quicker. And or a concierge will walk over to you at that moment and get the items and hand them to you and you don't pay for them. You don't even go through the cash register, you're just out. Now we've just broken every single metric that grocers care about. They don't even have a way to track what I just said. But you will have such a great experience there and your kid is feeling better and you got to back to work on time and the whole thing, that that is a new kind of metric, a new thing for them to track and a new way for data to flow and new ways to drive different technologies and discussions. So if you come up with these use cases for your best customers and turn them into your more loyal ones, all of a sudden this is the discussion. Is that a strategy discussion? Is it an execution discussion? It's a little bit of both. You just have to see how far along to make something like that happen but putting the customer and their real-time needs in the moment, even though they already know Ben, his needs are different day to day, and that's the new way that experiences really need to run. Okay? Thank you very much, Glenn. Yeah. I really thanks, enjoyed everybody. our conversation. Good, thanks. Yeah. That's it for this episode. Thank you all for listening. If you like this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. To learn more about our summits, visit digiday.com slash events. For exclusive member events, sign up at digidayplus.com. And we'll be back soon with another episode.